0: Are you guys in Romans chapter 3? Awesome. I want you guys to grab the Romans Road thing that you found on your seat this morning when you came in. I asked a few weeks ago how many guys were familiar with the Romans Road. About half the room. Yeah, I know I'm familiar with that. And then the other half of the room is just like, what are you talking about? So, uh, we printed this up. We're going to have a bunch of these copies around the church. We'll have them out uh, there out front on the table. You can take these with you. You can share them. Uh, with your friends, and I'm gonna walk you guys through uh, the Romans Road together um, up on the screen. So, <laughs> we're gonna play this in a second. You guys ready? Is the volume on for this? Is my volume on for this? There we go. Two places at one time. Pretty good, huh? I wanna talk to you about the Romans Road to Salvation. So we're told in Romans chapter 3 verse 23 that we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us. We're also told in Romans chapter 6 verse 23 that the wages of sin is death. And what do we know about sin? It is growth. We also know we've all done it. Even if we've been pretty good, we've still done a few sins. And even if we've just done a few sins, we know it's going to affect Fact is, we're all contaminated. So sin, is there a remedy? Well, yeah, there is a remedy. Um, we're also told in the rest of that verse in Romans six that uh, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So think about that for a second. Also in Romans chapter five verse eight, God demonstrated His love for you, for me. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for you and I. We know that he was sinless. Therefore, he was a perfect sacrifice, a perfect sac the Lamb of God. Think about it. Who takes away the sins of the world without spot, no sin. So anyone who comes to him, Romans 10, verse 9 and 10, we're told that if we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart that Jesus uh, is Lord, okay, that God raised him from the dead. You're going to be saved. That's what it says. So do you believe that? See, if you take Christ, you receive that gift by faith, our sins, we're told in the scriptures, are going to be forgiven. That's awesome. Also, guys, the reality of sin, it did not affect Christ. It could not affect him, okay? He was sinless. He was perfect. He became sin for us, okay, okay? perfect sacrifice. And I love what it tells us in Romans 10:13 that whoever believes on Christ, whosoever believes, that can be you. You will be saved. You will be forgiven of your sin. So my question for you, are you in Christ Jesus? Have you been forgiven of your sins? Have they been made white? is snow christ became sin for us guys he took it all why because he loves you he loves you so much that he gave all of himself will you give yourself to him that's your choice that's the romans road that is the good news the best news of all time love it reality truth share it fun so you don't need some jars to do the romans road with somebody you guys see just the scriptures laid out in romans there you can walk somebody through the scriptures and it lays out the gospel pretty clearly there so i'd encourage you guys use that share it with people and i love having my bible with me because I love being able to open it up to Romans and walk people through personally. It's not me telling you this. This is actually God's word. You want to read Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23, Romans 5.8. Do you want to flip over to chapter 10? Look at 9 and 10 with me. If you confess and you believe in your heart, you're going to be saved. That's what the Bible says. Well, don't I have to do this? No. The Bible says, God says, you need to believe on Jesus Christ. Whoever Chapter 10, verse 13, calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So I hope you guys can utilize the Romans road, uh, share it with people. It is great. Um, And if you're interested how that happened with the the bottles, um, I made a video on how to do that too. I'm going to be uploading it. It's actually up on our Vimeo site already, but I'll post it on our Facebook group later today also for you guys. So you can have fun and awe people. Whoa, how'd that happen? You know, and that's just a few chemicals working together. Like, you guys ever think about the reality of our sin? I mean, God himself had to die. To, I mean, I can't even comprehend it, guys. I stand in awe. I've lost sleep over that reality. Think about that. Wasn't there any other way, God? Any other way. Wasn't there something we could have done or the best of us could have done? No. It had to be him he loves us that much. I love it. So Romans chapter 3 this morning. Let's turn there. Lord willing, we're going to finish this chapter together for you guys who are visiting with us. And I know there are a few. We've been jumping back and forth between Genesis and the book of Romans. In the first part of Romans, uh, 3 was Pretty hard to swallow. I don't know if you guys can recall a couple of weeks ago. Some heavy stuff. For you guys weren't there, let's jump back just a few verses before we jump into the second half this morning. Let's go back to verse 10. It says, As it is written, There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have altogether become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues they practice deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. In the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now, this morning... We get to find light at the end of the sin tunnel. And I'm pretty excited about that. So I'm asking you guys to put on your thinking caps. Did you ever have one of your teachers in elementary school ask you to do that? Okay. We need to do that. But also, you guys know that the Word of God is spirit. Okay. And some of us have spiritual wax in our ears. Maybe you need a a spiritual q-tip this morning okay because we want to hear what the spirit says to the church so father would you please by your grace allow us this morning father to have right understanding of your word i'd offer myself to you lord uh, just clarity of thought please speak through me um, the truth (laughs) in anything that is not truth and of you i pray that you would immediately just let us forget that stuff we want to look to, G- to you, Jesus. We want, we want to hear your word rightly. God, we would ask and pray that hearts would be open, that eyes would even be open today to the just glory of who you are, the truth of the gospel. We ask in your name. Amen. Amen. So the main question for you and I this morning is how can a holy God forgive guilty people? That's a pretty big question, okay? We could spend hours and hours and hours studying that. And I hope you do give yourself to the study of God's word. And I thank you guys for the privilege of being able to preach and to share and to study throughout the week in preparation for this. And my prayer is that we get it right in such a way that it's not just like I know it, But this reality, this truth that we find here in Romans 3, it's going to change my life. It's going to transform me. That I will leave this place different this morning. Do you guys believe that the word of God can transform us in such a way? Do you believe that? I do. I see it happen all the time. But the question is, are you willing this morning to be honest and to be real and to be open to God's spirit coming and doing heart work? change in our lives. I sure hope so. So the question, how can a holy God forgive guilty people? That's the question. You see, if our judges did that in court, they'd be removed from office pretty quick, wouldn't they? Yeah. Okay, we wouldn't, we wouldn't function well in society. Society would fall quickly if that's how our judges rolled. So we are to deal with this, what has been called the supreme paradox Of the Gospels. Do you guys know that Webster defines paradox as a statement that is seemingly contradictory or opposed to common sense, yet perhaps is true? G.K. Chesterton gave the definition for a paradox, and I love how he put it it's a truth standing on its head shouting for attention. So, a paradox, it's a powerful vehicle for truth. Because it makes people think. Do you guys know that God's given you that capacity? He's created us in that way. Come, let us reason together, says the Lord. So the scriptures often use paradoxes. So if you like taking notes and you'd like to jot down some references to just a few of the paradoxes, I'm going to fly through some just so you guys can see how much they come up in the scriptures. The first one I want to talk about is we see unseen things. Would you guys say that's a paradox? But isn't that what the Bible actually teaches us? 2 Corinthians 4.18, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but what were we looking at? The things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not are eternal. Another paradox that we find is we conquer by yielding. Really? That doesn't make sense. That's not what I was taught in school. Those who conquered the world didn't do it by yielding to anybody. But we as Christians, the truth of what the scriptures teach us, like we find in Romans 6.16, do you not know to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey? You are that one slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness. But God be thanked that Though we were slaves to sin, yet you obeyed from the heart, from a from doctrine to which you were delivered, and having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. So there we see, we are able to conquer <laughs> by yielding. We also see in Scripture, in Matthew 11, 28, 29, and 30, that we find rest when we take upon a yoke. What? How does that make sense? Jesus here speaking says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and I am lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You guys know that we can reign by serving. We see in Mark 10, 42, But Jesus called them to himself and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles, they lorded over them, and the great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you shall be a servant, and whoever desires to be first shall be a slave to all. I don't like these paradoxes. But aren't they true? Okay? In God's economy, everything seems upside down. But let me tell you what. It's true. It's right. We who actually done the word of God have seen it to be true. Let's look at another one. You're made great by becoming little. Luke 9:48. And Jesus speaking again said, "Whoever receives this little child in my name receives me." And whoever receives me, Uh, receives him who sent me, for he who is least among you will be great. And then we also see in Matthew uh, 23, 12, we are exalted by what? Being humble, being brought low, right? Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. 1 Corinthians 1.20 speaks to us, Okay, If we become wise, we we do that by becoming fools for Christ's sake. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made the foolish the wisdom of this world? I love that. And then we're told we're made free by becoming his bondservants in Romans 6.10. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives he lives to God. And then we find a few in second Corinthians chapter 12 verse 10. I love this one. We wax strong by being weak. Okay? Check it out. It says therefore I take pleasure in my infirmities, in reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. We also see In 2 Corinthians 12, looking at verses 7, 8, and 9, we triumph by defeat. At least I should be exalted above measure, Paul says, by the abundance of the revelations. A thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan, to buffet me. Least I be extolled above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness therefore most gladly I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me okay I think we want to live in triumph in those realities in Christ do you guys know that it's okay to have a thorn in the flesh is anybody here just free of any trial pain hardship have any of you guys no no how many of you guys would testify that God's actually used those things for good, for his glory, really in a way of triumph? Because let me tell you what, there's nothing like the grace of God. It is so sweet. And it's good to be in that place, being weak. Some Christians say, hey, you just in faith need to do away with that thorn in the flesh. No, God allows those things, why? For his glory. That we may triumph. Uh, Just a couple more. Another one in 2 Corinthians 12, 5. We find victory by glorying in our infirmities, as we just read. In such one I will boast, yet in myself I will not, except in my infirmities. Okay? You boast in that, in the weakness? I just can't make it. I'm dying. I'm falling apart. Well, praise the Lord. What is God going to do through that? Okay? Um, Also, we live by dying. last one that we'll look at. 2 Corinthians 4.10, always carrying about in the body the dying of our Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be made manifested in our bodies. So we live by dying. Is that a paradox or what? Does that make sense? And for you guys who have chosen to die yourself, to pick up your cross and follow Christ, you're living that abundant life. People don't understand it. Okay. I've had people say to me, people that are close to me, family, blood brother, why do you get to do all this stuff? Why is your life so exciting? Well, my life is pretty hard, but there is something about denying self. What you're seeing in my life, it's because I've chosen to die to self. It's not about me and what I get to do. It's just following Jesus, and following Jesus just happens to be pretty exciting and very life-giving. That's what you're seeing okay you're seeing death but life in Christ and that's a paradox Unbelievers, the world don't, doesn't understand but that's what Christ is calling us to and if you're that Christian who's really struggling between life in the spirit and the things of the world <laughs> stop playing in both you need to turn from the flesh from the things of the world okay get off the fence all in okay I feel bad for some people. Well, I don't feel bad. Like, if you're born again, that's the coolest thing ever, right? You get to go to heaven, you know, Jesus, nothing better. But those Christians who come to faith who are still trying to be in the world, of the world, you guys know what I'm talking, your heart breaks for them. You know that God has so much more. you just like, knock it off. Come with me, <laughs> you know? Stop playing over there. That's why you're struggling. That's why it's so hard Anyways, the supreme paradox that we're going to talk about this morning, guys, is how can a holy God forgive guilty people? That's a huge paradox. So this morning, as we get into Romans chapter 3, we're going to pick it up in verse 21 together. I want to look at uh, three metaphors with you guys and also three no's that we're given. And I want to give a teaser. So, you guys hopefully don't walk out. You'll hang out to the end, and you guys watching online will actually uh, stick with us here. But I will prove at the end that we can be saved by works. Don't throw stones. Hang in there to the end, okay? We can be saved by works. Let's look at the metaphors first. Verse 21. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed through faith, to demonstrate his righteousness, because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed, to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be and the justifier, or might be just and the justifier um, of the one who has faith in Jesus. So these three metaphors that are set before us in this passage describe what God has done for man's sinful condition. We're going to look at a courtroom, slavery, and sacrifice. The first one, the courtroom. Okay, um, we have a picture. Okay, set before us. Right, all fallen short. We we've all sinned. Right, we're, we're condemned men and women. Every single human being. Okay, we're all condemned in the courtroom. And as he hears the verdict of acquittal, not guilty. That's kind of what we're seeing here. Condemned man, not guilty. This is all because of justification. Just as if I've never sinned, okay? You've been justified, declared righteous. This is illegal, actually the word is a legal declaration and it's announcement of one's status before God. And it's the opposite of condemnation. It doesn't mean that we're instantly perfect and holy. It doesn't, but it does mean that we are actually forgiven. (laughs) We're loved, we're adopted into God's family. It does mean Christ's righteousness is instantly, the moment you believe, born again in the Spirit of God, declared righteous, you are instantly credited on his account, okay? We, we are set free. So, um, it does mean that God looks at us and he sees perfect obedience as in his son Jesus. That's how we see You guys know the old religion of Judaism? Let's consider and talk about that for a moment. Um, it taught that man can attain right relationship with God by keeping uh, meticulous Uh, laws, all of them, okay, perfectly as they are laid down, and if he fulfills all the works of the law, then he'll be made right with God. Okay? That's Jewish understanding of the law. Yet, we know that man, uh, no man has ever kept the law, or will be ever (laughs) able to keep it, every commandment of the law, simply because man is an imperfect creature, who can never render perfect obedience okay we got a pretty full room here today is there anyone who's walked in perfect obedience just one of us out of all of us just one going for one just Jesus Jesus, right (laughs) and that's what the reality of the law does it points us to him so when we consider the law guys the law helped man to become aware of sin that's what law does The law helped man to know what he ought to do so he could realize what he was not doing or not doing it. And the law helped man to see that as to satisfy the law, he will realize that he can never satisfy it. You see, the law helps man to see the way to God, not by the law, but what are we told? By grace. It's by his grace. And don't we say that grace is amazing? Aren't we saved by the grace of God? Yeah. So justification then is not to make oneself or someone something, but to account someone as something. If you guys look at chapter 4, verse 5, God justifies the ungodly there. Wow. You guys see this is a pretty big paradox to deal with? But wait, aren't we told in Proverbs seventeen fifteen, he who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the just, both of them are abomination to the Lord? That's in the Bible, guys. We also read in Exodus 23, 7, for I will not justify the wicked. Then he turns around and he does it. How can he? What do we do with this paradox? Well, righteousness. Okay, he not only cancels our failures, justifies us, but he also declares us righteous. Are you guys catching what's being laid down here? This is what is happening. And isn't that the same thing? It's not. You see, if a teacher uh, cancels an F on an exam, it doesn't mean you automatically get an A. Or say a bank. Okay, They forgive the debts that are in your account. That doesn't make you rich. So also, canceling our sins is not the same as declaring you righteous. Does that make sense to you guys? Clarification there. I hope that helps us. So all of sin, we're told, the entire human race was plunged into Adam's failure and has fallen short It means to lack or to be without. And if you guys look into the Greek, that is in the present tense. We keep falling short. Over and over again. It wasn't a one-time thing. We all do it. Some of us did it today. We're very good at that. But when we consider falling short of what? What are we falling short of? Well, we're told here it's the glory of, Of God so that glory his glory it's his splendor it's his radiance we fail to show the outward manifestation of who God is and we fail to be like him to be Christ like so freely that means literally without cost so a wage is something you earn or work for did any of you guys earn forgiveness earn salvation So God's grace, however, uh, it's a gift to us. That's the point. You can't earn it. It is freely given as a gift. Exactly opposite of what we deserve. And it comes only one way. And that's through the blood of Jesus Christ. That is the only way. So let's look at the second metaphor here. Slavery, okay, being justified in verse 24 freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ. We have here a picture of an enslaved man, okay? Try to picture this enslaved, standing there on a slave block who hears he is redeemed from bondage and that he's been set free. Isn't that the coolest thing? Is that how you felt when you came to faith in Christ? I'm free. I'm free. I was a slave to my sin. Damn to hell. This is where I stood. I had no hope. Sentenced. You see, redemption means a ransoming. It's, a, it's liberating. It's redeeming. It means man was, you know, it means man was in the power or the grip or the dominion of sin, ownership to Satan, okay? You guys know if you're not a child of God, you're a child of who? Satan. So stop saying we're all God's children. That horrible theology. Not true. Okay? You were watching online. If you're not in Christ Jesus, if you don't believe in him, you're Satan's kid. That stinks. But God loves you and he wants to adopt you. Isn't that the gospel? I mean, there's so many cool ways we can share the good news. Anyways, (laughs) you're Satan's kid. Do you know that? Some of you guys, how do I share the Lord? I don't have my Romans road with me today. Just ask somebody. Hey, do you know you're Satan's kid? (gasps) What? Great way to have a conversation, right? Um, (laughs) It's true. We don't lie as Christians. (laughs) Just tell the truth. Um, Also, guys, we need to understand that though... Sin has dominion, okay? Being a child of Satan's. Now Jesus Christ's blood has purchased us and has set us free. Isn't that cool? Yet, yeah. Can we grab the other mic? Thank you. I want you guys to catch this. Freedom is not the right to do as you please, but it is the liberty to do as you ought. You guys got that? Okay. A lot of us are crying out for freedom, but what are we actually doing with the freedom we have? That's great to consider and to think on. I would rather think about us who are truly free in Christ. I mean, we are set free completely. What are we doing with that freedom? Are we choosing to live in that freedom? To partake of it all? I hope so. All right, let's go to our next one. Sacrifice. Verse 25, it's up there. It says, Whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to, did, or to demonstrate his righteousness, because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. So now we have a picture here of a once guilty man at the cross of Christ, and as he hears that the wrath of God Has been removed, okay? Brings up the reality of what we're told here is propitiation. Isn't that a fun, cool word? Can everybody say that with me? Propitiation. It's a fancy word for satisfaction, okay? Think on that. Satisfaction. Jesus' death was necessary to satisfy God the Father, Father's need in the role as judge. He had to condemn sin. So this, guys, is important because it it preserves God as the just judge of sin, even though we've been forgiven. So propitiation is a sacrifice that bears the wrath of God and therefore turns God's wrath into favor. Crazy! I wish somebody would make a movie about this. There's a lot of movies about Jesus dying on the cross. But wouldn't it be cool if that was explained to people? Because a lot of people know Jesus died on the cross. But they don't actually know what that means. Why is that significant? What does that do for me? Okay, And I'm so thankful that we have God's word. I'm so thankful that this Sunday morning we can be in Romans chapter 3 and considering this truth. Getting it. Understanding it so we can share it with other people. Because there are those questions out there. It doesn't make sense to the natural man. Christ died with for me. Whoop de doo. You know, great. I drive past this place and they got a big cross out there. I know what that cross is about. A man 2,000 years ago by the name of Jesus died on it. Whoop de doo. A bunch of weirdos go there. They don't understand, they haven't been taught this. You see, when we consider sin, it's because he passed over sin. We all have a sin problem. That's one thing the world doesn't know. <laughs> they know they're guilty, they're they know they're sinners. Okay? And there's one common thread for most of the people that I've been able to lead to Christ through the years. The ones that are real actually see their sin. They know they're guilty. And the common question from so many of them is, How can God forgive me? They understand that part. And it's a blessing to be able to explain the cross to them, the gift that we have in God's only Son, Jesus Christ. So we need to recognize the sin because when we do that, guys, we understand God as that just judge, okay? We've been forgiven because. Of him You guys know that propitiation, that the sacrifice that bears the wrath of God, um, it becomes favor. So because he passed over sin, not punished them in the Old Testament, right? People could rightly accuse God then of unrighteousness. So that assumption, a God who does not punish sins is not a righteous God. That's what people th- and that's a right conclusion, but the cross showed he could still be righteous by storing up the punishment of all the Old Testament saints and then gave that penalty of Jesus on the cross. So by pouring out his wrath on his son, God rightly judged sin. He became sin for us. You guys understand that? The sins of the world were all put upon him. He was sweating great drops of blood. (laughs) Okay? It was extreme. So even those previously committed, so those pre-cross. So a question, guys. How can a holy God forgive guilty people? Well, the answer, God the lawgiver and judge obeyed His law, died for us, and paid the penalty for our sins. So the judge is now the savior isn't that cool that's good news a lot of metaphors there let's go on to three no's now take a look at verse 27 where is boasting then it is excluded by what law of of works no but by the law of faith Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Or is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Since there is one God, who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith? Do we then make the or avoid the law through faith? Certainly not. On the contrary, we establish the law. So the three no's here are given to describe what God has done for man's sinful condition. No pride, no prejudice, no presumption. Let's take a look at the first one, "No pride there in verse 27 and 28. And so what's our response to this? You know, look at a gift I've earned? No, we can't. So in the way of God, it's the way of faith. It's of acceptance. Then all boasting in human achievement, it's gone. You can't save yourself. It is a gift of God. But that big, big, big church up the road tells me if I do good works... And I'm good enough, I'll get to go to heaven. Well, they should stop preaching. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Quit trying to keep a profit and loss statement with God. That's not how it works, guys. Quit making an entry on the credit side of the page whenever you carry out one of the law's requirements. You see, the gift always glorifies the giver, not the recipient. So there's no boasting. Thus the hymn writer says, When I survey the wondrous cross On which the prince of glory died My riches gain." I count but loss and pour contempt on all my pride. That's why that hymn's amazing. It speaks gospel truth, it speaks Romans 3, the way of obedience. To the law is concerned with what a man can do for himself but the way of grace is concerned with what God can do and has done for man thus the way to right relationship with God lies not in some frenzied desperate doomed attempt to win acquittal by our performance it lies in a humble, penitent acceptance of his love and his grace, which is offered by God through his Son, Jesus Christ. No pride, no prejudice. Verses 29 and 30. This is the second no. Um, one of the Jews might have questioned hey, that's great for the Gentiles who don't know the law, but what about us who, who do? Well, Paul takes them on the basis of their Jewish creed, the very thing every single synagogue service begins with, even to this day, the Shema, okay? Hear, O Israel, the Lord is, or the Lord our God, the Lord is one, right? Right? they say it all the time one not one kind of god for the gentiles and another kind of god for us jewish people no the lord is one the way to him is the same for all it's jesus christ so, to my Gentile brothers and sisters who are caught up into this Hebrew roots thing, and you think that's going to save you by keeping the law and doing these things, you've missed the truth of the gospel. You don't understand what Jesus has done for you. He's not just another sacrifice, He is the sacrifice, the final sacrifice. Period. Now, no presumption in verse 31. So the end of the law, no, (laughs) not at all. It strengthens it. That's what these verses tell us. So the law is not evil, and the law should not be ignored. So up to this time, man tried to be a good man, tried to keep the commandments, tried to serve God because he was afraid of God, and he was terrified about the punishment that was to come. But now we strive for goodness because we love God. It's not because we're afraid of Him. And isn't that the fear of God? Fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. We're told to fear the Lord. I'm not scared of Him. Man, He's going to get me. He's after me. I'm damned to hell. I got to hide. No, He is my loving Abba, He's my heavenly Father, He's my daddy. He's the one who loved me so much that he laid down his life. He gave all of himself for me. He loved me and adopted me into his family. He's my dad. And the fear of God now for me as a Christian born again, I don't want to do anything that would displease my dad. I love him. You guys see how the fear of God is different for the Christian? So, where was I? It's not the law of fear. It's the law of love. That's the difference, guys. And that keeps man right. And you don't know that if you don't know Jesus. But once you're born again into the Spirit, man, your eyes are open. It's no matter about the law. It's about Jesus. He fulfilled the law. He is everything. He is my Savior. So many people... They don't care to be fined or even imprisoned. But often what keeps a man from shipwrecking his life is his eye is on the one who loves him. You guys remember a lot of those old films? You got the cops on the blowhorn trying to get the man who's holding hostages inside to give up. No way, coppers! You're never going to take me alive! And then, Johnny... This is your mother. Ma! <laughs> you know? okay, I'm coming out, mom. It's out of love, right? So, <laughs> this is not the law of fear, but it's the law of love. That is what keeps man right. So read what Paul says later in Romans 8, verses 3 and 4, regarding what happens to the law now. It's the law of the Spirit, guys. There's life. Okay? We're not under the law of sin and death any longer. So I want to wrap up this morning. Christ's righteousness is given to us as a gift. It is a gift. Freely given. No strings attached. And it's our faith. It's by faith. Apart from the law. Apart from works. All because of Christ. Okay, That is the flip side of sin. So did you know that we can actually agree with the statement that we are saved by works? Not our works. <laughs> the works of Jesus Christ. So the next time you get in an argument with somebody and they're like, oh, you can't be saved by works. Well, let me share the gospel with you. <laughs> Jesus did a great work. <laughs> and because of that great work, I'm saved. So have you found Jesus? Actually, he was never lost. That's the truth. We all have been lost. We are lost sheep in need of a shepherd. And he would love to be yours today. That is his heart. But you don't know how big of a sinner I am. You don't know what I've done. You don't know my God. You don't know how big this gift of eternal life is. You don't know what He can forgive. This is the beauty of the gospel. This is what we get to share with people. So we can stand, and we all do. Right now, each one of us, we stand before our maker. Either a criminal or a child of his. You stand before him. Either he is your judge who will rightly judge you for your sin or he is your savior who paid for your sin the choice is yours and this is the choice that we get to share with the world because he so loved the world God loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life I don't know I will receive that gift of, <laughs> gift of eternal life, of salvation by faith. I want to be a whosoever. I hope you guys want to be a whosoever. If anybody wants me to make me a t-shirt that says whosoever on it, I would love that. Because you know what? People are going to ask, what does that mean? Hey, let me tell you. <laughs> you <know? laughs> Opportunity to share the good news. I love Romans 3. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. There's something that has to be done because of it. And Jesus did what we couldn't do. It always comes back to him. So I hope we're getting this. I hope we have a grasp on this in a way that we have it, that we can give it to others. Because people need to hear. They need to understand. And that's one of the things that's cool about this little Romans road. Just open up the book of Romans. Start li- dialogue, conversation. And you might actually have opportunity to start explaining these truths. So, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. We thank you that we're saved by faith through grace. It's not of ourselves. It is all of you, Jesus. God, that's where we place our hope. Our faith is in you and in you alone. Thank you so much for how you love us all that you've done how you demonstrated that love upon the cross and i know there are some who are listening right now that still walk in unbelief we know holy spirit that you are able to convict convince people of truth we pray that you'd open eyes that you'd let all see their great need of you and as you've called us to go into this world to be salt and light god Uh, Help us to do that well. Help us to do the work of an evangelist. We have good things to share. There's a whole lot of people that haven't heard. So please, uh, give us boldness. Help us to be courageous. Help us to live in this reality. We pray in your name. Amen.